everyone, and welcome to uh, the Eminem Podcast. This is episode number 25. Uh, I am Michael Gallagher. I am uh, Program Director of the MSc in Digital Education at Maury House at the University of Edinburgh, and I'm joined, as always, by Miles. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm Miles Bennett. I'm a Service Manager in Digital Learning Applications and Media in Learning, Teaching, and Web and Information Services at the University of Edinburgh. And we're lucky enough to be joined today by two people who can talk to us quite a bit about uh, some of the themes that we've been sort of reintroducing onto this podcast. Uh, that's Ewan and also uh, Clea as well. Uh, Ewan, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, hello. Uh, my name's Ewan McAndrew, and I work in the same department as Miles, um, supporting Wikipedia-based um, work at the University of Edinburgh in a very strange role of Wikimedian in residence. Hmm. Uh, just a partnership with Wikimedia UK uh, between the University of Edinburgh and Wikimedia. So that's me. Excellent. Thank you. And we're as uh, Clea's here as well. Hi, um, I'm Clea. Um, I'm a final year psychology student at the University of Edinburgh. Um, and I'm also interning for Ewan as an open data and knowledge equity intern. Um, and I've been doing this for just over three weeks. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Welcome. Welcome both. It's nice to have you on board. Uh, just to speak a little bit real quickly before we jump into the heart of it, but uh, we we had re sort of organized this podcast to sort of focus more thematically on specific things that we thought were sort of emerging from the previous discussions, uh, the previous podcast, I should say, but that we wanted to highlight a little bit more. And those are issues around equity, knowledge, equity and access. We're talking about inclusion. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about diversity and de decolonial kind of positions uh, it, that are surfaced technologically. And this one certainly fits into, uh, you know, a very, very strong focus on knowledge equity and how uh, who's producing uh, knowledge and how who gets a say in that in that production as well? So I'll hand over to Miles. Yeah, so um, so we are continuing the discussion on knowledge equity inclusion from the last podcast, um, and, and thanks to Lorna for for that. Um, with a focus on on Wikipedia, which is a term becoming more prevalent in education and in everyday life. Um, I know I Wikipedia uh, any potential footballer that's potentially going to sign for my football club. Um, so can you talk us through your roles in a bit more detail? I know that you just touched on your Wikimedia in residence, which sounds interesting. And just gives a brief overview of, of what is Wikipedia. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully people have heard of Wikipedia. It's the, the free and open uh, online encyclopedia that was founded in 2001 and is now the grand old age of 20 years old, there are about 56 million articles in 321 different languages. Uh, but knowledge is not evenly spread between those different language editions. And my role is a partnership between Wikimedia, um, which is the nonprofit organization that supports Wikipedia and its sister projects, and the University of Edinburgh, because we as a knowledge generating institution have a commitment to open knowledge, to developing digital skills, to information literacy and supporting our staff and students to understand about digital skills, information literacy and uh, open knowledge. And so my role is just to act as a free resource, a conduit for any 
staff or student at the university to learn a bit more or write, help write Wikipedia pages as part of their course or as part of a project outside of their course? Yeah, I, I just want to say, did you say 321 different languages? Yes, um, although about 10, roughly about 10 to 11 of those might not be active at the moment. They might have, um, because they're small, uh, some of the smaller language Wikipedias have a tiny sort of editing community. So um, there might only be about 310 active language Wikipedias at the moment. Wow. That's quite impressive. That, I don't know. How many languages are there? Uh, More than 321? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold my hand up and say, I don't know. I don't know how many either. languages there are in the world. I but I could look it up on Wikipedia. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's just a general question. That's really interesting. So, um, um, Claire, do you want to talk a wee bit about your role? Um, yeah, so um, my role is kind of split into two parts. And one of them is focused on looking at open data and so being able to share data online freely. Um, but the the main part is um, and knowledge equity. Um, and so with that, I'm focusing on a different theme, um, a different diversity issue every few weeks, looking at how... Wikipedia can be, or the issues with these diversity issues um, within Wikipedia um, and how Wikipedia can be used to kind of um, improve knowledge equity and um, improve the, the, the visibility of a lot of different issues, different people and topics that often are very overlooked online and in education. So um, hopefully I'll be able to find out a little bit more about these different topics. So I really learned about indigenous languages online um, and different language representation online and how Wikipedia is supporting the linguistic diversity. And then I'll move on to other topics throughout the rest of the internship. And and can I ask a question? Did you know you're a student at the University of Edinburgh? So do you do you use Wikipedia, you know, in your studies or you know, even outside of your studies? Yeah, um, I pretty much, if I ever want to find out anything, I am the kind of person that doesn't let things go. So I will Google absolutely anything, and Wikipedia is always the top hit. So I do use Wikipedia a lot. And then in university too, um, it's just it's very convenient to find things on Wikipedia. Um, usually you scroll down to the reference list on Wikipedia and kind of go from there. But um, yeah, I think compared to uh, many years ago, back sort of when I was in, I say many years ago, when I was in um, school and Wikipedia was not a place that you'd want to go for academic stuff. But I think it's now I kind of would go to it for pretty much anything. Yeah, and I think that's, um, and and listening to both both of you talk there, you, you said a couple of things that are really interesting, you know, touching on your point, Claire, there about um, the quality of content is interesting, but you know, you've both said you know, Wikipedia is this a free resource? It's it's open, you know, sharing um, knowledge. Um, and so, a bit of a question for Claire: Why should people care about free and open knowledge then? So, I think the important thing is that 
um, so much information that's produced by institutions um, is practically impossible to access. Um, so when we have these free and open resources, everybody is able to access these without having to be a university student or without having to pay for subscriptions. Um, but it also means that all of the knowledge can be collaborated um, from all around the world. Um, and I think the more we can take knowledge from different people in different places and the more diverse it can become, the more we can use that to create um, to create more knowledge and to generate better, kind of more um, di- diverse, inclusive, um, but also more interesting. And I think um, ultimately the more people that can collaborate in a project – the more interesting and creative it can become. Yeah, and I think when you you know, we're talking about collaboration as well, like you're saying that those different kind of you know um, bits of knowledge that come in to actually form and to to help create you know um, a full perspective view on certain topics is I can imagine is really interesting. And it's probably, you know, it's great for people to have access to that as well, where I know previously we talked about in the last podcast about gatekeepers of knowledge and, and maybe not the diversification of knowledge being available in certain resources. So um, I'm just going to move on now and say Wikipedia, you know, we know Wikipedia as in one source, but there are sister projects. And to be honest with you, until I did some work with you and I never knew about sister projects. So can you and can you explain what the sister projects are and, and um, how are they being used? Are they being used um, by yourself and Clea? Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people get confused about the difference between what is Wikipedia and what is Wikimedia. Um, first and foremost, and uh, Wikipedia is obviously the free and open encyclopedia that's obviously the best-known project that is supported by the Wikimedia Foundation, which is a non-profit, uh, 100% donation-funded organization that supports about a dozen open knowledge projects. Like uh, there are, there's Wikibooks, which is open textbooks and annotated texts so there's recipe books and student created textbooks on wikibooks that they've done at the university of sterling in the past as well um there's wikisource which is our our version of project gutenberg uh it's a, a free and open digital hyper library of short stories novels plays constitutional documents suicide notes Anything that is that is quite long, um, longer than just like a, a quote that that, um, that is open licensed, then we can put it in our digital library. Um, so basically, there's also WikiQuote where you can find quotations, uh, and all of this is open act, open licensed information as well that you can use uh, and spreads across the internet. There's also Wikimedia Commons. That's a really important one which has got over about, oh, God, 75 million images, photographs, videos, and music files that are free to use and share openly. And Wikidata is our new, uh, exciting, it's the newest of our projects. It's only about eight years old. 
And it's really exciting because it's becoming the hub of all the Wikimedia projects as a home uh, for uh, free and open linked structured data. And it has significant advantages over Wikipedia in that the information Wikidata can be passed. It can, you can ask questions of the information. And it's not just information from Wikipedia. It's information from all of the Wikimedia projects and from data sets from across the whole internet as well. So you can query those data sets then? Yes, because we want to link to things, not strings. The idea is that it would link to another entity within the database, and you could ask, because it's all linked data and it's all parsable, you can uh, query that information and find out all sorts from all these different complementary data sets. I like the things, not strings. Oh, well, I, I didn't come up with that, so I can't claim credit. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, uh, I, I was uh, Dr. Martin Poulter at the, for, who is a Wikimedian at Oxford University and is now working on the Khalili collections. Uh, he he was the one that introduced me to that term. Things not strings. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, just uh, you know, just to follow up on that a little bit too. I mean, I, I think we all know. Or at least we all have a sense of, you know, the the the, the value of, of a project uh, or, or resources like this. Can you can you think of any cons? I mean, is there any cons to the to how it's being used or potentially in, in uh, like threats that might might exist around it? So um, I'm going to take a step back and sort of say that when I, I always sort of take sort of a slight sort of the heckles on the back of my neck stand up um, when I when someone sort of says, can you give me a pros and cons of Wikipedia? Because <laughs> that, that all automatically starts off on the premise. You, we, we need to sort of like think about the cons of Wikipedia really seriously. And I, I think that as much as we need to check the facts on Wikipedia, um, we and be information literate about how we're navigating the terabytes of information on the web. We also need to check any sort of assumptions we're we're coming into this with. And uh, there was, I, I think it's just uh, worth sort of. I was going to mention this this article by Dana Boyd, who talked about this idea of media literacy, and she's a Microsoft res, uh, research uh, technology scholar, and she said. Did media literacy backfire? Too many students I met were being told that Wikipedia was untrustworthy and were instead being encouraged to do research. As a result, the message that many had taken home was to turn to Google and use whatever came up first. They heard that Google was trustworthy and Wikipedia was not. And it's what and what that sort of message conveys to people. That that said. Wikipedia does benefit from more eyes on a page. There are checks and standards on Wikipedia, but occasionally there are pages that are not well um, loved, put it that way. They're not well viewed. The more eyes on a page, the the better that page is. The more the community grows and the editorship grows, uh, the better the page. And if it's an unloved page, then there might be the occasional fact that slips through the net, and so there, there, are, there is that that 
if there is a con, it's the, the fact that we need to have more eyes, I would say, uh, to keep the content uh, really useful and credible and accurate 100% of the time. Interesting. Interesting. Would would potentially be a con there might be the fact that how it's being portrayed or positioned, perhaps in in a broader conversation about what counts as knowledge and what what students can or cannot use in, in that context. It could just be largely like a falsehood or an erroneous kind of uh, position of what Wikipedia is, right? Yeah, I think I think there has. I mean, I think there has been a prevailing narrative that that Wikipedia has become a synonymous as being a, 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 an ill of the internet it, it that, that whatever sort of is good or bad on the internet can be sort of cap encapsulated within wikipedia and and, it, and the people will sort of occasionally sort of roll their eyes or sort of like a, sort of uh, of course everything you read on wikipedia tends to be true and sort of with a wry smirk at the end of that. Um, but the, mm. I think we, we can take a step back and I, I, I sort of looked at what Sir Tim Berners-Lee said a couple of years ago at his Turing Award lecture, where he, he was really worried about the direction of, of where the open web was going after the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica scandal. And he, he was saying, look, it could, could go one of what, two ways it could be a a force for good a force or a force for evil and be uh, and all of the bad actors in the world could sort of win in a way um but what he said was that despite that of all the things that the open web has or doesn't have it's since it sort of first came about he said that wikipedia was 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 that force for good it was a a constructive thing that people were doing to to build and share knowledge and build understanding. So I think there ha- we do need to sort of combat any sort of narrative that sort of mm. starts with the assumption that Wikipedia is the worst thing of the internet. There are problems on the internet. There are undoubtedly there's problems, um, but I think Wikipedia has, as a community, as an ethos, it is standing up to disinformation and it is guided by the idea that information is presented accessibly to people all around the world and fact-based knowledge where the, the, the citation is key. Interesting. That's perfect. Uh, just to, to follow on that a little bit too, just in terms of the content being represented, maybe I turn uh, this question to Clea here. Uh, it's about gaps and misinformation. How how was that dealt with, or have you identified any gaps? At least the first part of that question. Have you identified any gaps here in terms of what's being represented and perhaps what's not? Yeah. So um, there are gaps on Wikipedia. There are substantial gaps on Wikipedia because at the end of the day, we Wikipedia aims to contain all of the whole sum of all human knowledge, and it doesn't have that yet. Um, but there are the, the big notable gaps that we have is that um, only just under just under twenty percent of biographies, for instance, on English Wikipedia, are of women, um, and mm. so there are uh, and the majority of Wikipedia editors are men, um, and the, ma- the majority of editors are white men, um, and this leads to massive 
gaps in representation of people and topics that potentially aren't as of interest to the people editing and contributing to Wikipedia. Um, but also these gaps are closing. Um, and as we contribute more to Wikipedia and we get more and people more people involved, um, we have wiki projects that are run by people within the Wikipedia community and they help to identify targets um, of areas that need improvement of people who potentially deserve a Wikipedia page. Um, so I think that as much as there are gaps, they are being closed slowly. And the more we can do that, and the more quickly we can do that, the better uh, place Wikipedia is going to become. Interesting. Yeah, at the very least within Wikipedia, there's a mechanism for adjusting or countering some of these prevailing inequalities or mis you know uh, this lack of diversity or or a lack of representation there is a mechanism there to 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 combat those things you know there's a process by which those can be can be adjusted or you know at least mitigated to some degree so definitely a positive there is there anything in particular i think i might might throw this to to you in real quick but is there any uh, we, we talked a little bit about the myths, sort of like these prevailing narratives sort of surrounding Wikipedia. And, and I think part of the problem sometimes is it's sort of treated like a binary. It's like it's either Wikipedia or, or the, you know, the alternative, whereas Wikipedia can sort of sit in this kind of larger kind of knowledge space. But I was wondering, is there any other myths around the idea of this kind of open knowledge, maybe not just Wikipedia, but like an open knowledge movement that you think need to be sort of addressed? Um, I think, I think ba basically we always look at Wikipedia in, well, um, hitherto just a lot of academic work has looked at the idea of the dangers of passive consumption of information and yeah. the internet and Wikipedia are seen to be sort of you know, a real problem there that you can, that students are just going away, reading an article, believing everything they read and, and, and just putting it straight into their essays and submitting that. And that's, a, that was a real concern. And also the idea that if you have an encyclopedia that anyone can edit, that anyone can post anything on it. Uh, and just, it just, it would just sit there forever as a, as a, as a lie, as a as a as a uh, an erroneous fact, as disinformation, and nothing would ha it would just sit there, and people would read it and believe it. So those, those mm. I would sort of turn that on its head. Sort of instead of thinking about passive consumption, what we're trying to do at the University of Edinburgh is think about more about actively engaging in, firstly, in the conversation about how knowledge is produced these days, and what our role as a university is in that. And thinking about how people, when they search for stuff, they use search engines mm -hmm. like Google and Wikipedia is preferentialized there. But we don't know why uh, Google's algorithm does that. We don't, there's a certain black box nature to that. So, mm -hmm. And the same with Facebook. There's a black box nature to watch stories you're being shown there as well. But at least with if we start getting into this conversation about our relationship with these big digital intermediaries, we formulate a bit of a more of an understanding of what our role is, their role is, and a way to safely navigate the waters a bit more. 
and mm. also understand that Wikipedia, out of all of them, is the transparent resource. All of the edits on Wikipedia are stored in permanent links in the view history of every every single page has a view history where you can see what change was made, when and by whom. And that's saved in a permanent link. And if it's an unhelpful edit, it can be rolled back to its last good state. And there are automated programs, bots that are patrolling, looking for those. And they're some of the, the biggest editors on Wikipedia, sort of checking for copyright violation and checking for vandalism. And they're not just looking for rude words either. They understand some of the nature of vandalism. Mm. So, um, and also there's, there's, there's been studies as well that, you know, one in from 2011 that said they reckoned about only about 7% of edits to Wikipedia could be considered vandalism. Um, and another study that was done by 2018 came out um, from University of Glasgow researchers that said there were roughly around 90% of vandalism was reverted within about five minutes. Oh, really interesting. And can I, can I, sorry, can I ask, please go ahead. Can I ask a quick question as well as, you know, we're talking about um, access to the, to Wikipedia and the other projects as well. And just to say that, you know, for, for people to be able to edit a a Wikipedia um, document or source, you know, do they have to do anything in particular or how easy it is, is it to become a, a, a Wikipedia editor? Um, it's. It, I mean, there have there are checks and balances in place, and one one thing that the, the English Wikipedia community did um, a couple of years ago now was to introduce um, a four day. No, sorry, I beg your pardon. It, you know, it is it is four days, four days and ten edit rule, where if you are creating an account, you are not allowed to publish a brand new article on, on English Wikipedia until your account is four days old and until you've made 10 edits. And that sort of is, is cut down on some of the sort of jokey or spam or promotional uh, pages that some bad actors were trying to put out on there. So, but, and the idea would be also that you submit in those early days of learning, you would submit your um, page for review by a more established editor before it went live on the art on the site. Um, so there, there's another check there, but uh, we try and sort of, because I'm sort of familiar with the process of, and the checks and balances, I, I can sort of circumvent that process a little by saying that the people that we train at the university are trustworthy people um, because I'm monitoring the content that goes out on to the, to their site as well. Um, and but the, basically, Wikipedia takes about well, Clear can speak to this a bit as well. It takes about an hour to learn about just some of the formatting guidelines, like creating a heading, creating a link, adding a citation, and then we try and apply those skills by getting people to write an article in the space of like a, a, an hour or two in the afternoon, just to publish their first article and have feel a bit of pride that they've contributed to the knowledge that's suddenly popping up in Google search results. Mm. I think, it, like you say, that, that, that ability to be able to edit and contribute as well for, you know, a transparent source, which is peer reviewed and, you know, is, is pretty awesome. Um, I'm just, uh, just worried a bit about time. So we're just going to move on to talking about um, 
the adoption of, of Wikipedia in education. So how can you give some examples of how it is used within well within the University of Edinburgh? Yeah, um, and we 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 we've sort of we don't present this as is something additional to time pressed academics to to learn. So we we sort of like say if you want to sort of like run an assignment and swap it out, you know, with a written task and or an oral presentation and and just we can just come in, run training for an hour, talk about the types of databases and knowledge bases you can search and how to get information online. And then the students do these published work. So, for example, um, World Christianity Master's students do a literature review of different topics of World Christianity and produce a thousand-word article, for example, on Asian feminist theology. Um, So they sort of teach themselves they take on the mantle of an expert and 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 learn all this literature and then produce a, a an article written for a lay audience in mind uh global health challenges postgraduate students collaborate in groups of four to add about 250 words to a stub article on a natural or man-made disaster like this 2020 assam floods uh, global Health Master's students under Professor Devi Sridhar uh, add 180 to 200 words to public health-related articles like obesity or pneumonia, and they're using review literature um, to make sure we have a, a medical consensus on what information can be added. Uh, reproductive biology, translation studies master's students, translating 1,500 words to 2,000 words into another language, Wikipedia, so that they gain meaningful published practice before the world of work. But, I mean, secondary schools are doing work in the UK about, like, students in Anglesey in Wales are writing articles in Welsh about the Anglesey area, its people, its culture, its places. And just that meaningful publishing of their article is, is is really motivating for them that, that they have an impact that they have agency that to get information out in the world that's really a lot of students feel proud of of having contributed something at, at the end of their their assignment that their assignment lives on in a way yeah i think i can give you i can even say to you that my um, my son, who's in secondary school, he's he's edited a Wikipedia document. I'm pretty sure well, he's contributed to some um, project, which was really interesting as part of an IT project in his first year. So it's that access, which is great, and it's great for him to be able to contribute to that as well. And it's empowering as well to think that you know you can, um, like you say, like going back to what you said about that passive consumption. You're now part of the kind of research and the digging into the getting the facts to cur- uh, curating that and, and um, uploading that so it's visible to everybody. So, um, and uh, I think this is a question for Clea. So, uh, so how should it, how should Wikipedia be supported by educational institutions? Um, because I know obviously you're both here, but is there anything else, you know, should, do other institutions have Wikimedians residents? I don't know if that's a question for yourself, Ewan, or how should it be more widely adopted in, in the university? Um, yeah, so I think the the important one of the important things about Wikipedia is if um, people aren't going to be directly contributing to Wikipedia because that's something that does take time and maybe people are less into adopting that as a kind of common thing. But 
Um, so if it's not through directly contributing, then the other thing that Wikipedia really needs is um, a good base of reliable secondary sources to be cited on Wikipedia, um, because um, we can't create a Wikipedia article without secondary sources. Um, primary sources aren't really accepted on Wikipedia as um, evidence for something. So if institutions are supporting the creation of this secondary work and publishing um, or making available work about different people and events, they're making them available online on stable links that can be accessed and then cited on Wikipedia, um, then that will allow us to create more Wikipedia articles um, and also to improve the depth available on a lot of the sort of more um, shorter and not as maybe not as interesting and detailed articles at the minute so the more universities can make available online the more we can then cite them and improve wikipedia um so with a lot of academics on wikipedia they they maybe are very relevant people and they've done a lot of work but there's not enough written about them so they can't be cited directly on wikipedia or they can't have their own page um, and there was a case of um, Donna Strickland, who won a Nobel Prize for her academic work, but she wasn't really recognised on the internet until she won a Nobel Prize. So until she won that and was written about, she wasn't able to have a Wikipedia page despite the amount of work she'd done. So the more we can talk about people and the more open resources we can produce, then the more we can then contribute to Wikipedia. And- and is it kind of, you know, just thinking about what you said earlier on about that access to information about, you know, institutions publishing information, but the access to them is paywalled or restricted or subscription or something yeah. like that as well. So it's kind of key for institutions to think about actually being more open and publishing more of their content openly so that, you know, like you're saying there, it can be referenced within these Wikipedia documents. So, I mean, the, the, I mean, there was a study done by Wikimedia Research about 2018 where they looked at about 450,000 scholarly publications cited across 300 different Wikipedia language editions. And they found that less than half of the official versions of these publications cited with an identifier were freely available on the web. And 25, 29% were free to read at the source while an additional 10% had a free-to-read version available elsewhere. So there's masses we can do to sort of improve the information that's open access and improve the verifiability uh, of information. And and just sort of coming back to some of the the things you were talking about earlier, um, about sort of we as uh, an institution are supposed to have commitments to open knowledge, and to information literacy, to digital skills, to data skills, to quality, diversity, and inclusion. But we need to be sort of celebrating the diversity and the achievements of our academics by profiling Mm. them, uh, because a lot of our academics have have produced lots of great work, but there might not be any sort of profiles of them themselves uh, Mm. that are openly available. And And we could do more to create these secondary sources in the first place and to value that work and to reward that work, to create a culture that actually rewards working in the open. Um, because at the moment, um, we're very much mired in, a, in a, a closed access, 
silo of knowledge production. Um, and if we just think about like health information as well, uh, some of the data modelers for uh, Sage were using data from Wikipedia in the early days of the pandemic because that was the only of freely available public data on the pandemic. Mm. And it's also a reason why the World Health Organization is partnering with Wikipedia to make information from the WHO publicly available uh, so that it can be added to Wikipedia so that more people can learn more about health literacy and health information. And and I think it kind of, I think both of you have touched on this point about, you know, the values of the institution as well, or of institutions being able to make this, this information public. It really comes down to that. And, you know, for, for us working as part of the university, the, value, the university has values for open sources and open education as well. So it's kind of key just to promote that more um, and to make academics aware of, of you know, the, the benefits of that as well, like that silo, um, kind of silo information data, which it's, you know, you, you can't see unless it's publicly visible somewhere. Um, I'm just way out of time. So I just, I just want to ask one last question. Um which is, has Wikipedia been affected by the pandemic? Has it been affected by the pandemic? Yes, it has. It's, it's actually had a surge in page views. Um, it became, in March last year, the second most viewed website in the world at one point. <laughs> uh, because as people move to sort of homeworking, hybrid teaching, homeschooling, Having a platform that has neutral fact-checked information has become immensely important, and it's one of the the largest uh, providers of information, especially on mobile sites as well. So people are consuming Wikipedia more from mobile technology as well. Um, there's it's been harder to have in-person editing events. Uh, but we've been able to switch to remote teaching uh, and remote participation because it is an online resource after all. Um, there's been lots of new content about the about the pandemic shared to Wikipedia as well. About and there was a study that came out last year that said about twenty thousand, more than twenty thousand scientific publications had come out since the start of the public pandemic about the COVID pandemic, and Wikipedia was seemingly to keep was able to keep pace with that and ensure that the 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 quality wasn't dipping as well which is really encouraging to see so yeah so it's we're having more people reading wikipedia more knowledge about the pandemic and more edits to english wikipedia but one of the sad things is there's barely any change in the number of editors and so it just comes back to we we do need more eyes we need to grow this community. And that's part of why Clear's got uh, interning with me to sort of support how do we make that, raise that awareness that this is a good thing to contribute to, to move from a passive consumption to an active contributing role within the higher education. I think, that's, uh, I think that sums up nicely. Um, I'm just wary of time, so I think we're going to... Um, sum it up, Michael. Would you sum it up? But he's got technical issues right now. So no, um, I mean, my my 
my silence was, I, I was both riveted and suffering from technical issues. So <laughs> please carry on, Miles. Yeah, so I, I just want to say uh, thanks to, to you and Nicole. I think that's a really um, interesting conversation. Um, and um, thanks for your time today. Um, I'm not going to do a Jerry Springer style kind of wrap up. Um, I'm just going to say thanks to thanks, Clea, thanks to you, and um, and thanks to Michael, and um, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, everybody! Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.